Hello and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. Together we are bringing you ideas about education, entrepreneurship, and relationship that are both inside and outside the box. If you like our show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook. And leave us some reviews on your favorite podcast platform. Today we have the pleasure of talking with Scott Ramage. Um, Scott is the owner of multiple businesses, including Media Machine VAs, Podcast Media Machine, and Brotherhood of fatherhood. Scott provides complete VA solutions for businesses, podcast coaching, and podcast post-production services. He also runs events for men who desire to be the best husbands, fathers, and leaders that they are destined to be. Scott has been a business owner and worked with business owners all over the world for the last 13 years and is passionate about helping business owners solve problems in their own businesses. Scott has a degree in psychology and a master's degree in education. In his free time, Scott loves lifting weights, mountain biking, rucking, snowboarding, and traveling with his wife and two boys. He also has a passion for podcasting and currently hosts two podcasts. So if you know anything about Christina and I, you absolutely know why this guy is on our podcast because... This just lines up so well with all sorts of stuff that we are doing and where we are. So Scott, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on our show today. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm super excited because like all of the alignment, it just makes for, it's going to make for a really fun conversation. So thank you so much for inviting me. You're very welcome. Exactly. When we started talking and found out that we had an education background in common, as well as a passion for maybe exploring and improving the education system. And then of course, how that trickles into entrepreneurship and family life and everything. It was like, this was a podcast that was meant to be. So yeah. thank you for being here. And I'm, I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life as well. And then when I hit my head and stuff started falling apart, you know, the psychology, I hit my head snowboarding, by the way, snowboarding is <laughs> fashion. So oh, it was a snowboarding that, that it was a snowboarding that, that, that took me out eventually. Um, and then the, the psychology aspects and trying to figure out what was broken. Um, <laughs> uh, so that, that led so much back into um, this stuff should be taught in, in school. Because when I hurt myself and I, and I started crawling out of it, there was so much that I had to learn. And it's like, this, this should be like, taught early so that when you get old you don't have to figure this stuff out in an emergency because there should be stuff so with with okay. all of that it's just so where possibly would you like to begin today oh my gosh well this is that's a really great question and I was thinking about this ahead of time, of course, you know, as I kind of prepping my mind, I'm like, there's a million different directions we can go. You know, I have a degree in psychology. I have a master's degree in education and taught in public schools for 13 years and left uh, for very, very distinct reasons uh, where I saw education going at that time and then where it's gone. Um, and then I've been an entrepreneur for years, even while I was teaching. Now I have um, older boys. They're both incredibly engrossed in the idea of being entrepreneurs and their own owning their own businesses. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm like, we could go all sorts of directions. Uh, I think we have so much alignment. Well, let's start with that education and education degree and being a teacher. You said you were an entrepreneur as well as being an educator at the same time. If a teacher wanted to maybe explain expand their horizons a little. What did you do? How did you kind of start stretching out and then ultimately decide to leave teaching? So that's, it's interesting. And I want to preface this. I always felt very different from everybody else in the teaching, um, in the teaching world, okay. especially where I was at. I think in Texas where I'm at now, it's a little different. There's a lot of uh, change in career, but in Oregon, where I'm from, where you guys are at, You're at exactly. yeah, that was not normal. People didn't go into corporate and then back into teaching or vice versa. And so I'm in this world of teachers. That's what you do. I mean, you are just teaching, 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 but very early on when I started teaching 2001, 2000, 2001, I believe I really quickly realized that I was really efficient. And so I would get into the school. I was teaching every subject. It was, you know, it was a self-contained okay. classroom. Yep. The only thing I didn't do was music, thank goodness. But uh, 
it was in incredibly stimulating and awesome. And I still would have time for extracurricular activities. I, I did a lot with the local uh, skateboarding community because I had a lot of time. I was still pretty young. I was skating. I had a skateboard club with kids and it was just phenomenal. And I was, and teachers were looking at me like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're young and energetic. You know, when is that going to slow down? And it just never did. Right. And, and I, I, I realized that I was different in the fact that teachers would say, oh my God, I was up till 10 o'clock last night, correcting homework and making um, lessons plan, lesson plans. I get to school at 7 a.m. and have everything ready for the day and be out of there at three. And I had done everything I needed to do. And I wasn't trying to run from work. I was just done. I was like, I don't, I don't get what's taking so long. And this is no judgment on anybody else, but I'm, I'm just kind of high energy like that. So yeah. about four, five years into my teaching, um, I was, I was doing all sorts of things to kind of fill time. I did a lot of, uh, I worked on some grants for the school, created a whole project for the school and I was working in the summer. And I think this is where a lot of teachers kind of start to dip their toe into entrepreneurial world is I had time. And as a graduate student, I was a ski and snowboard and mountain bike mechanic, like a, a master mechanic. And so I'm like, I'm going to go work at the bike shop. So I worked at the local bike shop and I had the thing happen that everybody has happened. Um, I could do this better. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Your mind. Exactly. And I, I did that for like a couple summers. And then the third summer, I just started wrenching on people's bikes in my garage. And before I knew it, I had a whole setup and I'm like, you know what? screw this. I'm tired of working for someone else. I'll just have a summer gig. And so right before my first son was born, I got a 300 square foot spot, bought some equipment, got all my licensure set up and started working on bikes. And within three to five, what is it about five months? I was in a 3000 square foot spot, had like multiple full-time employees. I built that thing fast and furious. And now look what's happening. I'm back teaching again. Uh -huh. And, um, so I did that for five years. I had a bike shop. I would leave at like 4am in the morning and go to the shop, do all the businessman stuff, go to school, do all my school stuff, um, get back to the bike shop and be there till eight or nine o'clock at night. And that finally came to an end after five years, not because I hated it. And it was because I talked to someone and they said, Hey, look, you got to give up one of them. And I'm like, yeah, I got to give up one of them. Cause I'm not, I don't know my kids. Right. And, um, so I, he talked me, he's like, well, <laughs> teaching is a stable income. I'm like, I was doing really well at the bike shop. And he's like, just, you know, close or sell the bike shop. So long story short, I had a buyer and mm -hmm. I was really, really aware that I was not a part of my kid's life. And that wasn't something I was okay with. And then my wife was also kind of single parenting. And I shut, I, I had the bike shop for sale and this is 2009. And I, in the 11th hour, literally the day we're going to sign final papers and get the check, the owner had talked to a local business expert and decided not to buy. And so overnight, literally, my wife goes back to the book. She's like, overnight, we incurred $350,000 in debt. Oh, As a teacher, I still decided to close down, had all of that um, in, new inventory on cycle. And I didn't sell it because I was going to sell it to someone else. I had it all sold. Right. And uh, yeah, so that's, that was my first entrepreneurial journey. And it was very, very interesting. Um, but I just never slowed down. So I taught for a couple of years without having a an, another like uh, business. And I went nuts. I went bonkers again. Yep. And um, then I had another successful business from that. And that's where the story starts to move into teaching wasn't for me at that point. Exactly. It's interesting though. You said you're back to teaching because that's the way I look at this podcast as well. Even though I'm not in the classroom, I'm still teaching because we're oh sharing information and helping people explore and expand their minds. And so I love this part of the podcasting, being able to teach again. Everything I do is teaching. I mean, that's, you know, people ask, well, you know, do you regret being a teacher or getting your master's degree? I'm like, Hey, look, master's degrees, colleges aren't for everybody. Did I need that for what I'm doing? No, but every single thing I did led me to where I'm at now. And I feel like a lot of what I'm doing and a lot of su the success I'm having is because I'm so tuned into connecting and then teaching people. And 
having that gift of like, I want to help you. Like, that's the big thing, right? Like we want to be helpers and that, you know what, that's a really good formula for business. It is. So when, when you, um, when you decided to, to sell the business and because of the lack of family time would be a better way to put it. Um, when you made that decision and all of that happened, you gave up the business anyway, you went back to teaching. Um, was the, was the teaching, so that was purely a financial decision and how did that? What well, I, I never stopped, I never stopped teaching. I was still teaching and owning the business. I was running 900 miles per hour. But so it was at that point, like, hey, look, at, I know what to do. And um, just in the local culture it was do what, you know, do what's stable. It's that in the box. There wasn't a lot of entrepreneurs around. And so I thought I was doing what I thought I should be doing. And really what happened, you guys, is the, the, the next two years of my life after I shut down the bike shop, and I don't want to get too deep here, but I shut the bike shop down. I'm teaching now. And I had a total identity crisis. Like I was before that I identified myself as the bike shop owner. All my great friends stopped calling as soon as I didn't have all the good deals and doing all the trips and all the great things that came with it. And I literally had an identity crisis. I didn't know how to be with my family. Like giving that up was the best thing I did, but it, it shot me into a personal hell. I did not know how to connect with my family because I've been working so hard at connecting with my customers and my friends and my students and my the parents in the school. And my life was totally changed now. So it took two years, literally, for me to jump out of a funk. And that all came because I was looking for a solution. I gained a bunch of weight. I was looking for a fast solution to lose weight. And this is where it gets crazy. My next business was an MLM. I knew nothing about MLMs. I found it online and I had super fast success. Like we went to, like, I think I tripled my teaching salary in a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, and that's when things started to get really weird in education for me, because what happened when I got into that MLM, again, I had no clue what I was doing. Right. I there was a while you were successful, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was because I'm good at connecting. So I was just connecting people and helping people, connecting people and helping people, getting up on, um, you know, doing presentations and, and getting people success. And the company was all they would do is get you in front of personal, personal growth. I mean, every, everything you're listening to incredible speakers, incredible authors. So I went on this personal growth journey that really got me to the place like, Oh, there's so much more here. And so I started bringing that into the school, we started a leadership program. The leadership program exploded. We start started making a lot of money through the school, through, um, extracurricular activities and, um, you know, drives, and then doing a lot of volunteer work. And what I found out at that point is really when I realized I don't think I'm cut out to be in this, in this place anymore, because the more success I had, um, getting the school wins, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. The more money I brought in for the school, the more success I had in that leadership program, the more certain teachers in that building hated me. Yes. I mean, I was, I had a big target on me and it was, it was miserable and finally, you were uh, after, outside the box. <laughs> I was way outside the box. I'm like, you guys, do you, you know what I'm doing for you? You wanted, you needed new computers. You got new computers. You uh -huh. wanted, you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I literally did not get it. But where I saw it really happening was within the administration. Yes. And uh, I was like, <laughs> what is going on? And then one day in Oregon, you don't get, well, at least where I worked, you didn't get personal days. You got one personal day. A year. Yes. Yeah. I had given my notice because they had called me in and said, hey, you have an event today. And um, I'm like, yes. And, and for kids to be involved, they have to have earned some money. And I'm like, yeah, a quarter. They needed to earn a quarter to be involved. And so this is a fundraiser for the community. And, and they're like, well, that's not fair. We have some kids in, that are very impoverished. And I looked at the principal. And this is coming from the top, from the superintendent. A parent had called him. And I said, I looked at him. I was shaking. I was so upset. And I looked at him. I said, that same student, I know who this is, walks to school with a 44 ounce soda in her hand every single day. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't pick up five cans on the way here. I think a deposit was five cents at that time. Five exactly. cans on the way here, turn them in and submit her quarter or go, forgo one of those sodas today. 
And he's like, yeah, it's not, it's not right. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to carry this event out today. Everybody can participate. It was a mess. Yeah. Everyone can participate, but this is the last time I'll ever do this. And, um, from that moment on, I was, I was done. And I, I gave my notice. It was, it was a wild ride. <laughs> it was a real wild ride. And yes. the, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Equity in the equity in the public school systems means teaching to the very, very lowest. So oh, if, we, you're, if you're going up, that's not fair. If you're smarter, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. You have to, everybody, yeah. everybody can't be up here. Everybody has to be down here. Yeah. And, you know, I watched her fight this. So she wanted to get out of school, you know, 10, 15 years ago too. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I have to fight this. I have to be here for the kids. Yes. I have to keep going and try but mm-hmm. the system after after COVID hit just just oh, rolled. They they took the they took the authority the unearned authority and just stomped everybody down. Yeah. And so, Whatever. so that that kind of threw us out of that. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, I know, know the whole contract thing. You know, you give your notice and it's like, well, you have to finish out your contract. It's like, well, um, <laughs> right. I did. That's crazy. I did. I so I gave my notice. Yeah. And I said there's there was an in-service one day. It was on a Monday and it was an in-service and all they were doing was meeting about the next year coming. And Mm -hmm. I said, I have tons of sick days. I have, I have barely used any personal days. I would like to go to Tahoe because I won a trip, a free trip. I'm like, I'd like to go to Tahoe. I'll be back for Tuesday. And they said, no, I'm like, I have nothing to give it that day. You just need to be here. It's and. (laughs) I called in sick and somebody saw it on, on Facebook. And I walked into the the school and the principal called me in and he was so mad. His face was red and he was just like shaking. He's like, how dare you? And I said, I said, I can carry out the rest of the year. I will follow through with this contract. It was like a month left. I can carry out the rest of the year or you can kick me out. Now I am never stepping foot in a classroom as a teacher again. So it has no repercussion on me other than I have a very amazing connection with my students and I have a commitment to them. And I would hate for that to be ruined because you're of your ego. Yeah. Oh (laughs) yeah. It was, uh, it was very interesting conversation, but he's like, he he just told, eventually told me to, that we would wait it out to the end of the year. And I'm like, that's great. The crazy thing on the last day of school, I had three people, individual teachers come up to me, look me in the face. They didn't all say the exact same thing. One person said, I cannot wait for the day when your little pyramid scheme falls apart and you're groveling coming back to this school. I had another guy come up to me and look me in the face. He goes, this is the most stupid decision you will ever make in your life. You are leaving, you are leaving a great career and a great future in teaching and you are not going to make it. Um, there was three people that came up to me and they looked me right in the eye and I don't know how I held it together. I was just like, you know, (laughs) thank you. I don't know what to say. Um, you know, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot through those years, but I would, I would never people. Those, those are the kind of teachers who don't want their students to succeed. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And you, you brought up the, you know, teaching to the, to the bottom. What a disservice to everybody in the school, because here we are, we're in this classroom and we have to meet these standards. This is where it really got crazy too, is meeting these standards. We have to meet these standards. By the way, when I was uh, using the standards to create my own curriculum, that was very fun and it used all sorts of, you know, kinesthetic and auditory, everybody, there was all these different elements coming into it. I was meeting the standards, exceeding the standards, but then they said, said, no, 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 no. You have to do it exactly like this to meet the standards. I'm like, that's not working. But I realized that I had to pair my most brilliant, best behaved kids with the lowest of the low, just to try and manage a classroom of 30 kids that range from probably um, borderline MMR, probably 80, 80, you know, on the intelligence scale all the way up to brilliant Mm -hmm. and like who are we serving at that point nobody absolutely nobody because when you pair those two people the the higher ones probably doing all of the work you know and you're bring it was just insanity and i just could i couldn't be a part of it anymore right and that's that's where it finally hit me after 
the COVID and looking at what my classroom was going to look like in the classroom again with that kind of disparity, that kind of range. No, no one person can really be expected to reach the low and the high with 30 kids in a classroom. And no. I was teaching primary. I was K-1 too. So you take 30 K-1-2s who are very needy. It sounds yeah. like you're a little bit higher level, you know. And they also put, they also put the emotional kids in yeah. that classroom too. So pick kids who would throw clap, throw chairs and rip up stuff and scream and yell. And instead of dealing with that kid, the other 29 kids would have to leave the classroom so that one kid could be protected while he destroyed the room. And the other 29 kids don't get a learning opportunity for that day. So yeah. that kind of stuff going on. Um which is which families. is also why we kind of are getting into the family education system and trying to help people take their kids out of school. But one of the things you were talking about earlier is when you were a teacher and when you were an entrepreneur. So a lot of people have their stable job and then they're entrepreneur and they're getting up at the four and they're going to bed at 10 and they're not seeing their kids. So bringing the family back into it. Um, what what would have got through to you at that point to help you to see that? Because right now there's so many families in that situation that are so head down that they can't see how the education is affecting their family and all that. How, what, what kind of advice would you give to people who are going through this now with their kids in school? What would you want them to do? This is, a, this is a really good question. And I was blinded because I was part of the education system and I always fought the homeschool thing. Like I just fought it tooth and nail. I'm like, that is the stupidest thing ever, but I didn't know about it. And so I would say like, don't put your assumptions beside aside, completely put your assumptions aside of what homeschooling, what uh, cooperative learning, there's a lot of different opportunities out there. Like, what does it look like? Because it is amazing. My kid, my, my youngest is still in school. He, he is in public schools uh -huh. and we do that by choice, but I still struggle every day. I'm like, ah, oh, you're doing what? But the, it's just get your head out of the sand, look up and talk to other people immersed in it, because you're going to find that some of the most successful entrepreneurs, I mean, we're talking super successful, have their kids with them like 24 seven and they have built some incredible systems in place and supports in place where they still get to do their entrepreneurial thing. They still get to um, be wildly successful, but what better opportunity is there to learn than being in a household and seeing these things happen? My sons watch me work and they're like, but then they're, they're also learning so much more than watching me work. They're watching me fail. They watch me have bad days and readjust. They watch me have huge wins and then have to back it back off because it's like, whoa, I just had a massive month and next month is horrible. But they also watch how I learned to turn it off. They also watch, learn the things I don't know, didn't know, like you could turn that I can turn this off and be attentive to my family. There's just so much value and like richness in this and then travel. I mean, just the fact that you can travel with them and do all of the things you can do. So really, I would just say, pull your head out of the ground, talk to people who are doing it and really discover what your options are because it is pretty phenomenal. Well, a little, a little shameless plug here. That, that <laughs> is kind of what we do. Yes. If you're just waking up to that, Come Check talk a, to us. Set up a call. You know, the first call will just like just give you some ideas and some options. It's amazing. Just open your eyes. So, you know, yeah. no commitments. Just talk to somebody. Talk yeah. to us. So yeah. yeah. Thank you well, for that. that. Well, that's that's I love, love, love what you guys do. I, I remember, you know, the first time I saw this, and I think I sent a message. I'm like, what? And I looked at my wife and I'm like, this is awesome. This is what people need. And it's just, it's incredible what you guys are doing because it is hard to navigate. Like you're like, I talk to people all the time. Like I'm getting into this. I want it. I want my kids not to be in school anymore in public school, but it's like drinking from a fire hose. Like there's yeah. option here. There's like part-time school here. There's cooperatives. There's like yeah. able to each family to, to learn and, 
you know, the things that we can do anytime we have a business, like if we can add value and reduce friction, I always call it reducing friction. We can reduce like frictions for somebody, then man, you're really adding value to your life. So absolutely call you guys because yeah. I, if I had to do that now, I'd be like, I'm not prepared. I don't have the tools. I don't have the time to do what I do. And I talk to parents who are um, homeschooling. I sure you do. You just, you just don't know the resources. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And I love when you were talking about working with your boys and your boys watching you, a lot of the words that come to mind are perseverance and mm -hmm. grit and growth mindset, all those things that people hear about, but they get to see it in action and they get to watch it and figure out what it truly means and grows. And yeah. instead of dad being gone all day long yeah. and us seeing him one right. or two days while he's yeah. sleepy and grumpy recovering, <laughs> instead of being part of the family. So um, most entrepreneurs, um, I've, I've kind of discovered this, are, are born out of trauma. Because if your life is going smoothly and everything is right, you don't do this because the first time you get kicked in the teeth, it's like, oh, this ain't worth it. My life is good enough. I don't have to do this. Mm -hmm. So from, from the, the trauma area and in, in, um, that, that whole busyness of, so, wow, I so totally lost where this question was going. It was really, <laughs> really good though. Um, but do you see that as well when you work with other entrepreneurs as you're helping them kind of grow? Do you see oh, kind of I got it? So, so with, with trauma, um, that comes, a lot of that actually comes back to school. So a whole lot of the entrepreneurs, uh -huh. the richest people don't even graduate from school or mm -hmm. so a, a couple of people I work with were actually like drug dealers in high school because they so didn't fit in. And that's where they got the entrepreneurial spirit. And then they got out and stuff fell apart, but they knew how to do this. And so they built a business up from, yeah. from real life experiences from the traumas in school. So I, I can speak to that. So in school, I, I did some inner work and went through some coaching a couple of years ago and realized a lot of my insecurities and a lot of things, the stories I was telling in my head were really based from school. And, you know, as a child of the eighties, the rules weren't quite the same. Oh. And, yeah. And I remember being pinned up against the wall. I was in wrestling as an eighth grader and I was good. I was undefeated. And I was, I didn't have a, you know, my parents weren't really pushing me to be in sports or anything. And I didn't understand that level of commitment. And I quit. I quit wrestling. I'm like, I'd rather spend my time skateboarding. I was a good skateboarder. I enjoyed it as my friend group. And my math teacher happened to be the coach. And he pulled me in the back room and pushed me up against the wall and called me a very vulgar name and told me I would never amount to something. And this probably happened with teachers. It happened in middle school or high school as well for a different reason. And I went back as I, those, that trauma was huge. Yeah. And so number one, getting into education was me fixing the problem. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want other kids to be, you know, exactly. in this yeah. situation and I can be a change agent. I think that's what led me back to education. The first psychology and working it with kids with uh, disabilities and kids that were very, very violent. I did a lot of work in group homes, but, um, and then moving into education, I think that's all from that trauma, you hit it on the head. And then I went through this trauma as an entrepreneur. I'm still kind of battling this world. Then that I go through this personal trauma and right. I'm like, ah. And then the answer was entrepreneurial. It, it, when you're an entrepreneur, you are up against battles like all the time. There is no like sailing. There is, there is no just glide. If you're gliding along, you're about to take a massive dive. It, it, this is what I found over and over. If you're feeling comfortable, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Yeah. If you're riding super high, there's going to be a low. So now my brain adjusts. But what happened is like, we just, you learn so much and you learn so much about your own self, your own abilities, your own cognitive abilities, your own psychological and behavioral things that you do. I have learned to watch my triggers. I've learned to understand what self-talk is. All that becomes because I'm engrossed in this entrepreneurial journey. And the beauty of this right now is that I'm, I'm looking at my 18 year old son and I'll kind of tell you about him. Yeah. I'm looking at him. Um, and I'm seeing the personal development side of him. He's like 20 years advanced for me. 
So he decided, I went up to his room. He he graduated last year. I went up to his room and I'm like, you know, have you thought about what you want to do? He's because he he, uh, applied to go to college to play trombone, a very competitive. He's like, I don't want to go to college. I don't have any direction unless I go play this trombone and do these world travels because it'd be really great. It's a challenge for me. He didn't get into the program. He was the Nixon line. And um, I went up to his room. I'm like, do you know what you want to do? And he's like, he was, I have no idea, but I want to know, I want to, I want my life to be like yours. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? He goes, you have people coming to you with opportunities all the time. You know, so many people, it's like, you can start eight businesses any day of the week. And he says, how do you do that? And I looked at him and I said, years and years of giving and grinding. I'm like, it is not And so what happened is we found out he didn't get into this college. His mom and I took him to dinner and we're, and he, he looked at us and he said, I'm not upset. He's like, this was a challenge. I wanted to face a challenge. I wanted to see if I could do it, but I am not upset, but here's the deal. I don't know what I want to do. And I don't want to pay for college just to pay for college. And we're looking at him and right at that. Yeah. Right at that moment. I said, well, like you talked about wanting to be, you know, an entrepreneur. And you talk, I said, what if you just took the year watching what I'm doing? Yeah. And so we've been down that road. It's been very interesting. And the other day I told my wife, I'm like, he still doesn't know what he wants to do. It's very hard to get through him like this work ethic and you have to do all this boring stuff and it's just not sexy. And, um, but then she goes, yeah, but every morning he reads his stoic journal. Every morning he journals. Every morning he writes down, he has a gratitude journal. Every morning he reads his Bible. Every morning he's done this. Every day he does this. She's like, he is years and years and years and years ahead. Uh, I don't even do that yet. Yeah, be- behavioral. For years and I can't develop those habits. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't care if he doesn't know what he does or if he has like unrealistic expectations of how a business is going to look because that's really true. I don't care because he has tool sets. He's doing humans so well. Yeah. So this is the stuff that I want parents to hear. Yes. They may not run right into a business. They might not know what they want to do when they turn 18. I'm going to let him loose soon. He's going to have to make a living, but they may not know but the stuff you're teaching them is not stuff they're going to get at school. It is not stuff they're going to get in an institution. And there's, you guys, we all know there's incredible teachers out there trying so incredibly hard, but the the cards are stacked against them. Mm -hmm. They have, their hands are, are literally tied to their ankles and they're sitting in a bent over position, just taking whatever's being lent or handed to them. And unfortunately, it's getting worse because they're adopting curriculums and saying you have to be on page 18 on day three of this week. And the teachers are like, but my kids aren't ready for that yet. They haven't mastered. It doesn't matter. You need to be on page 18. And so those teachers are stuck in that way. Worse than when we were younger teaching. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And I mean, you to, for me watching from the outside, I'm in Texas, which is a very, you know, um, a very, uh, I don't, it's not conservative state. Very red state. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even what I had to watch, my son have uh, plastic barriers all around him that, and he, he's like, I can't hear the teacher. I have no clue. It was hell. Yeah. And I'm like, one more week of this, I'm pulling my, I'm pulling these kids. And I decided that if it ever, if it ever happens again, they're gone, they're done. They're out of that system forever. And, um, I watched this hell and I watched teachers fall apart at the seams because they one never have been taught how to do anything outside of teaching in the school. They've never had to pivot and they don't have that muscle of, I've got a problem solve really fast because they now at how education works in most school schools. This is what your day works looks like. This is what you're teaching at nine. This is what you're teaching here. You have to be on this schedule. The kids need to have this done. They need to do this. I mean, there's no autonomy whatsoever. So there, there, there is, there is one argument that I have for that in favor of that is because the teachers that are coming out of college right now are absolutely so inept 
that they can't actually do any of it. So yeah. for a first, maybe for a first five years teachers, that stuff is, is what they need. But if you've been a teacher for more than five or six years, then that, that, that destroys you. You can't do anything. So. Yeah. We, uh, my son had a student teacher. He's like, she has to leave every day because she has emotional breakdowns. So she gets to go to the, some room to recover. And I'm like, you, the teacher, the, yeah, student the, teacher. Student, the student teacher. And I'm like, oh. and I mean, unfortunately she fit the mold of what we're seeing on some, some TikTok channels. And I'm like, exactly. yep. I'm like, like, I hate to get political, but someone said he or she, instead of they or whatever it was and she had a meltdown and had to leave i'm like you can't do that as a teacher i understand if that's what you you know like fine but yeah. like grow a set <laughs> excuse me right yeah. like you aren't in this to be you know emotionally coddled you're you you are entering a war zone of emotions you've got to have yourself into control but you're right they're not being prepared they don't know how to be in the, I, when i went to grad school i had to spend an entire year in the classroom thank you you know, and I don't know that it's like that anymore. No, it's it's uh, weeks, Scott. They wow. have to be in charge for five weeks. Wow. When I was a mentor teacher. I pushed that to the absolute limit. It's like, no, you can be in charge for five weeks, but guess what? The three weeks before that, you're going to be half time. And three weeks after that, you're going to yeah. be half time because I was seeing these, these teachers not be prepared. Yeah. I, mean, I remember whenever I was a younger teacher, you had to have emotional control because I was in the hallway, parent walks up, yells at me for something. And I had to walk in and face my kids two minutes later. Yeah. I couldn't be a blubbering mess. I had to be ready for the day. And that's true. I mean, you know, as teachers get attacked left and right, because, you know, I used to, people would come yelling at me and my, my line was always like, okay, first I want a little perspective. Cause I was very emotionally reactive when I first started teaching. I'm like, first, I want to offer a little perspective. Let's make an agreement that if you want to believe everything your kid says about me, I have to believe everything they say about you. And that's not very favorable. So why don't we come together and like talk what really is happening? And usually it was, uh -huh. it was somewhere in the middle yep. and there was a lot of manipulation going on. That was always, that was always a risk I was willing to pay. Cause I was like, well, you know, that could be pretty damaging. Yeah. My, my wife tells me I cannot go back to teaching. I'd be fired the first day. Oh yeah. I, I can't go <laughs> back. Into the, I can't go back into the regular. Workforce. Um, so Christina's last two years of teaching. She was actually in an online school that had an online curriculum, not a regular classroom that was forced to do the online stuff. Right. So she oh, yeah. was online and she actually got to start the program for K-1-2. So they didn't have the program online for, so she actually got to start right. that. Okay. And so she got to work with the parents and started coaching. And, and half of her kids actually stopped coming to class every day because the parents took control of it and were doing the lessons. And <laughs> those kids, like, boom, they, within like two or three weeks, wow. they were almost at the end of the school year. Mm -hmm because of how much um, they were able to, to focus, focus, they were able to, and they just got into it without all of the distractions. Um, yeah. And then the other half whose parents just said, Oh yeah, it's just school. You're there. They just followed the curriculum and, and that. So entrepreneurs who are into self-development because you have mm -hmm. to be um, that, that, that should be in the schools and then it should also be in the family. Mm -hmm. And once you do that, it's like if you have a kid coming through the system, they won't even know, need to go to college because they'll fall in love with learning. They'll yeah. fall in love with with entrepreneurship. They'll fall in love with self-development and they'll continue to grow outside of everything without it having to be school. Because right now, school is something you do till you're 18 and then you forget about it and leave yep. and you don't keep learning. And if you don't keep growing and learning inside, yeah. then as a person, you slowly start to fade away as yourself. So teaching kids to learn, to love and to grow is more important than yeah. teaching them stuff in school. Yeah. And, you know, I have a, a son in ninth grade and it's it's tough to watch, to watch him like, uh, you know, kind of like we could be through this curriculum in nine weeks, like the whole school year, probably other than the languages. That's pretty tough. But 
I, I look at this and I'm, uh, and I, it's really difficult for me. It's really difficult because I know he's going to school for six, seven hours, um, mostly for social interaction and a little bit of education. And that's a really hard thing to watch. Mm -hmm. And we've had a lot of talks. He's agreed that if there is another shutdown, he will, he will concede and, and not go back. But we, um, but it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard decision to make. So when you get out into the workforce, social interactions are more determined by social norms and people are a little more polite and they don't throw you up against the wall and stuff. So people who have their kids in school for social interaction, dude, that is the most traumatic, unsupervised, screwed up interaction that can happen. um, And part of part of one of the things about our education system and, and doing this is, is we help families figure that out. So dance classes, biking, sports, community um, action and community like, like service. Something, like most people don't know that if you take your kid out of school, you can actually file paperwork and have them play sports in the closest school, yep. even if they're homeschooled. Yeah. So, even yeah. so yeah. So even if they're like, so if your kids are in school to play sports, you can take them out of school and still yeah. have, let them play sports. Yeah. So if, 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 That's if part you of have a problem have. with it, yeah. It's only getting worse. I mean, yeah. we can we can talk about the pokes right now about how the NEA is actually recommending and requiring the the pokes, Some school even though to have. even though that that's been determined to be hurtful in some places. So, wow. Wow. so if yeah. if if you don't get out, it's like it, it's it's just getting worse. So if if you are into self development, bring your family along too. Is all I can yeah. Say. I mean, I have kids that are friends. Almost all my friends have their, they're, they're younger than me. They all have their kids in um, homeschool or okay. in, in, I mean, it's just very common, not all of them, but a lot of them. And they do jujitsu, they do dance. They, they're they like, they have more friends than we'd even know what to do with. It's right. crazy. And I think that that's just a misunderstanding. And hey, look, because you're getting into smaller groups in focuses yeah. that you enjoy. And so you're getting around a group of people that all enjoy the same things. Then yeah. you'll find more friends. When you go to school, there's thousands of people who enjoy whatever. whatever. And to find that within the group. Yeah. So it's tough. It's tough. And that that social development, middle school is horrible. M- middle school is just hell. I've decided that for any kid, that's just hell. Um, yes. But I just seen such such a different view of it. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, he, he's incredibly successful and he, he started, he's got like five kids and they go everywhere with them. And then they also have a support system that they leave them home and they go travel as well. But he's like, I get to hop in the RV and we get to travel the United States anytime we want. And we history on location. Oh my gosh. That's what he's talking. He's like, Hey, we went here and we did this. And we actually, you know, we, my wife and I worked really hard to explain get our kids exposed to that and, and be a part of those things as well in the summer. But man, it, there's just so much benefit to it. And the, the, the bad or the side effects or the, the negatives are going away. There's, yeah. I don't know that there are much anymore other than you're just different. Everyone's like, Oh, he's homeschooled. He's different, but yeah, they're more intelligent. They're more grounded. They're <laughs> they more better have behaved. A better conversation. <laughs> if you if you watch what they eat, they probably have a much better diet. Right, right, yeah, so, yeah. They're just more grounded. Yeah. They're different. They're yeah. they're more they're more people. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other the other thing that I hear a lot is, well, I couldn't ever teach. And my thing is, you need to talk to some people because you you probably don't need to. There's like, you're more of a guide. You're more of a, like adding structure and then adding opportunity. And I think that's another thing that people get wrong as well. Especially once they get that love of learning, it doesn't stop the kids. Then they just need the guide and the structure. Exactly. You know, when they're little, of course, they're going to need a lot more, but as they get older and more experienced and love that learning and can read and go forward. And a lot of the programs and stuff that people use now are like games. And so Mm -hmm. kids get on them and they want to go. So, you know, it's going to, when, when a kid starts going, Hey mom, can you load up the reading thing for me so that I can go play more games, but they're actually doing their reading Reading homework or, Hey, can you do that? Load up my math game again, so I can go play more, more math stuff. So it's, it's, it's bizarre to watch these kids go into that. Um, Yeah. I think kind of 
Well, what would be some of the last bits of maybe um, advice you would give to new entrepreneurs or people who are working, trying to get this family and thing kind of put together since you've been at this a while? What are some of the, some of the best tidbits you could give? So a lot of this comes into why I do the Brotherhood of Fatherhood and events for men, because I really have seen the dark side of entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial journey, journey, right? And I did the wrong things. So one thing for me is one, um, as understand your identity, and I know that doesn't, it's like, this is all about you, but it, it is about the kids. They need to see this as well. Understand your identity isn't what you do. That is not because what you do can be stripped from you. What you have can be stripped from you. Um, who you are can never be stripped from you. So it's your identity is who you are and it's much deeper than what you do. So get rid of that right away. So you don't instill that into your kids. Also just understand that you are building another version, like a future version of what you do. And so as an entrepreneur, you have to be incredibly intentional. And what I mean by that is when it's time to work, bust your ass, gr do the grind because work, building a business is a grind. It's a long-term haul. But when there's opportunity to disengage and then re-engage with your family, don't let the other stuff get in the way. And then the other thing I would say is don't, this is the biggest one for me. Talk to your kids through everything. And I know at certain ages, they're not going to understand, but I remember coming home from elementary school and my son says, Hey, I had this go on. I said, you know, what is really crazy when I was doing this in business, I made this mistake and I made this mistake and I made this mistake and it always related back. And what I've seen is when I talk through my, my failures in school, in business, in life, and then told them how I've fixed it or how I'm moving towards fixing it, I am watching them avoid those things, right? I mean, like actively avoid, like they're back to the friction thing. They're going to have way less friction in, in a lot of the areas that I've had friction. They'll have new friction, new areas they got to learn, but it's going to be much higher level. So live your life out loud in front of your kids. Talk yes. to them through what you have made mistakes. Talk to them through, talk them through your your, your wins, like every day you should be celebrating wins as a family, because we are not programmed to focus on wins. We're programmed to focus on negatives. So That's like, true. what are the top three wins for today? Yeah. And, and just live out loud with them. Don't hide your failures. Like I had a month where I'm like, guys, we're not going to be able to like do the things we normally do this month. It, right. Business is down. It, I'm sorry what kind of lesson is that for them? Like hey, yeah. what money doesn't grow on trees. Things don't just magically happen. You have to work. And if you let off that gas the wrong way, it could all be crumbling down. And so you're teaching these skills that are just so incredibly rich. So I would say live out loud. And I, I yeah. you know, with intentionality. We actually, kind of, we actually kind of missed that part growing up. That's we tried to, we tried to shelter them, shelter, shelter them, boys. keep them away from mm -hmm. the problems. Yep. So we were building our businesses and we were doing stuff. We were like, Hey, you know, stuff is cool. And one of our kids doesn't actually talk to us anymore because we became disrespectful, disconnected yep. and so, in his eyes. So yeah, we didn't share enough for him to understand why we were doing what we so were doing. So part of, part of what we're doing in, in all of this is to, is to help yeah. other people not lose their kids. And I love it. Because the 20 hours a day you were working, you didn't see your family. You recognized that early. Some people don't. So hopefully hearing this can can help other people like make that connection. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you're also into podcasting. You help other people with VAs and stuff. So here's a, here's a fun kind of a question. What is the weirdest subject podcast that somebody does that you, it's like, I can't believe this guy makes money on this pot what the heck? oh that's a that's such a hard question trombone podcast could he make money doing a trombone podcast like you could that's the crazy thing if you have the right mindset especially if you have a service to sell as a part of it because that's one thing i teach people is like uh with my i was able to monetize my other podcast this one's being monetized as well but the, the brotherhood of fatherhood but the other one i was able to monetize like fast and furious, tens of thousands of dollars in the first year directly related to that podcast. And um, so I really try to encourage people to do that. 
I met people that um, have a podcast on uh, the the food they eat during gaming. They're really into these like role-playing ga- like these uh, magic games. And the okay. whole podcast is around the candy they eat, the candy they eat while they're playing. No uh, yeah. And they are, they got tons of listeners. Yep. And so they're like, today we're eating. And they, I mean, what? Like, seriously. Interesting. You can't, you can't have is the more you niche niche down the better really. Yeah. And, and you know, there's just so much out there. I mean, we, we produce a podcast that's, uh, that I won't listen to (laughs) (laughs) very, very, uh, risky, risque. So I, you know, there's just, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's an amazing world. It's not, it's, it's not really being blocked right now. It's kind of a free speech, open speech, uh, platform in most cases is getting really corporate, but there's a lot of indie movement out there. So it's just an incredible way to share your passion and your, and your, um, your knowledge with other folks. Oh, wow. That's really yeah. amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it has been such a pleasure having you here tonight, today with us and talking all of this up and down entrepreneur education, how it <laughs> intertwines and works and everything. Um, before you go, make sure you tell people how they get a hold of you, what you can do for them. Make sure we. Yeah. Is, do you have anything coming up? anytime soon (laughs) what's going on in your life oh my gosh i have so much coming up i do men's events so i do have one in march uh that's going to sell out like in a day and i have a big event in the in the summer june so if you want to know anything about that you can hop on brotherhood of fatherhood or just follow me on on facebook or instagram scott ramage um i help people business owners specifically leverage their superpowers by hiring the right people to work within their business so that's either a virtual assistance from the Philippines, which is a massive passion of mine. Also stateside for moms who want to be home. A lot of homeschool moms, um, I offer work for them. Uh, And so I do that. And then I love helping people do podcasting. I have a podcast course. And and then we also do podcast post-production. So literally hit the record button. The rest is taken care of. So those are the things I'm passionate about. And you can find out everything about me on, on those really easy places. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, just Scott Ramage. And yep. And of course, everything will be linked in the show notes at the end as well. So people can find you Scott. Thank you so very, very much. It has been awesome. And hopefully maybe, you know, in a couple of months, we can bring you back and have a little bit more of a discussion or something. Yeah. We have a, we have a lot of ground to cover. I mean, (laughs) I think so. I'm into men's work into psycho spiritual um, transformation and coaching as well. So it's like, there's a, there's whole other realms that we have. We haven't even talked into yeah. yet. So it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. All right, Scott. Thank you. And listeners, thank you very much for being with us on bringing education home and make sure that you follow us and give us some reviews and likes on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Awesome.